It's February 19th, and just a month ago, an abortionist of Philadelphia was charged for the murder of seven babies, which he killed after they were born. Let me explain. Dr. Gosnell performed millions of abortions over the last 30 years. Abortion is legal in Pennsylvania, up to 24 weeks gestation. But this man was doing quite a bit of late-term abortions. Since 1993, there have been complaints about him and about the state of his abortion facility, but these were ignored. Until now. Turns out that he wasn't just performing illegal abortions. In many cases, he would induce labor, forcing the live birth of babies in the 6th, 7th, and even 8th month of pregnancy, and then he would kill them after birth because, he claimed, it was easier and safer. According to the Born Alive Infant Act, the law basically extends legal protection to a baby born alive after a failed attempt at induced abortion. So, Dr. Gosnell and nine other people in his staff have been charged with these murders. But here's what I don't get. There is outrage at this story, and there should be, but why the surprise? Our society generally accepts that abortion is an okay response to an unwanted or unplanned pregnancy, definitely if the pregnancy is a result of rape or incest. So what's the difference? If it's okay to kill the baby at 24 weeks inside the womb, why is it not okay to kill that same 24-week baby outside the womb? I can fully understand why this abortionist expressed shock that his actions were wrong. When people talk about a slippery slope, people, this is what they mean. Human life and personhood begin at conception, and it's not okay to kill anyone at any point for any reason outside the womb or inside the womb. I'm Pedro Guevara Man, and this is Salt and Light Radio. Hello and welcome to Sultan Light Radio. I'm Pedro Guevara Man, and here with me is Krista Matrenko. So, what can we look forward to here in our news segment? Well, Pedro, there's an Afghan Christian who was sentenced to die, and the Canadian bishops have appealed on his behalf to the Canadian government, and the Canadian government has responded. We have that response for you uh, as well. We've got details about the Pope's upcoming trip, and oh, there's a remarkable ecumenical initiative in the Holy Land, a lot of division between the Christian groups there, but finally... They're praying together. Okay, great. Looking forward to hearing details of those stories. That's in about two minutes. Um, and today, Mark Matthews, whom I know you know very well, Chris, returns. He, he's our Hollywood undercover missionary, and we'll be talking about something good that's happening in Hollywood. And as you know, as well, Mary Rose is gone. We're very sad that she's not here. She's gone on maternity mm -hmm. leave. But Jenna Murphy will be sitting in her diocesan update chair, and that'll be in about 20 minutes. And as you know... Are you a fan of the Academy Awards? Honestly, Pedro, I find them a little bit long. Oh, yeah. Yeah, me too. But I hope that doesn't hurt my chance of eventually winning one. Can <laughs> no, we but that out? you're definitely a fan of, of films. Sure, yeah. And do you ever watch short films? Once in a while. Because these are the awards that nobody ever hears about because mm -hmm. they all happen you know, outside of the main event. That's right. Um, but uh, one of the films that is nominated for a Best Live Action Short Film uh, which is a film that actually won the Angeles Student Film Award. Those are the, uh, the quote-unquote Catholic uh, uh, awards. It's a film called God of Love. 
I've been dying to see this. Ever uh, you've since heard I, about it, yeah. It's, it sounds mm-hmm. like a great little little movie. So we're going to be actually speaking with the writer, director, and star of that film, Luke Matheny, in the second half of the program. And today, I want you to meet Danielle Rose, in case you haven't heard of her already. She's a wonderful singer-songwriter. She's our featured artist of the week. And uh, here she is with uh, the title track of her album, Pursue Me. Was that you,
That was Danielle Rose with her song, Pursue Me. Danielle will be with us in the second half of the program. And in about 15 minutes, what's good about Hollywood with Mark Matthews. But first, uh, Chris, so the bishops uh, are making an appeal to save an Afghani Christian. That's right. Uh, This Afghani Christian is awaiting his execution on charges of apostasy. And the Canadian government is speaking out. Musa Sayed, he worked for the International Red Cross in Kabul before getting charged and convicted for converting to Christianity. Wow. Now, here in Canada, the Archbishop of Kingston issued an urgent appeal last week in response to reports that his execution was imminent. On behalf of the Bishop's Conference, Archbishop Brendan O'Brien asked Canada's Ministry of Foreign Affairs to intervene. Ministry spokesperson released a statement to Salt and Light Uh, The ministry says it consistently raises human rights issues such as freedom of religion with Afghanistan, Hmm. which is encouraging, and that Canada has raised specific concerns about Musa Sayed directly to the government. Canada is calling on Afghanistan to uphold the rights of all its citizens, including religious minorities. So the crime of apostasy means that he converted to Christianity. Uh, exactly. I mean, even though the Taliban regime is, is gone, it's gone we, see, yeah. we see echoes of that, that same mentality, but not only in Afghanistan and in some other countries as well. Amazing. In the Middle East, that continues to be a crime. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, turning to uh, the Pope's travels, uh, first, details have emerged about his trip to the north of Italy in May. Mm-hmm. The visit's going to include a public mass and four addresses, but the visual highlight will be in Venice. And there, the bark of Peter will be a gondola. (laughs) The Pope will take the traditional Venetian boat to the Basilica de la Salute. Uh And later this year, the Pope is going to be going to Madrid for World Youth Day. I'm sure everyone knows this. That event is just six months away. Uh, This week, the Pope received the official World Youth Day backpack really is one of the the symbols of, is, of World yes. Youth Day. Yes. As a pilgrim, this is how you identify all your fellow pilgrims out there. Yes. And all registered participants will receive this, and it's going to include a new catechism written for young people, and that's mm. called UCAT. Yeah. Um, a rosary and a fan to alleviate the heat of the Spanish the, summer. The August heat in Madrid, yes. Mm-hmm. And uh, finally, Pedro, in the Holy Land, which you visited recently, mm-hmm. uh, Christian denominations, they share the shrines dedicated to Jesus' birth, the Basilica yeah. of the Nativity, as well as his death and resurrection, the, the Church, Church of the, of the Holy, Holy Sepulchre. Sepulchre. Yet despite, uh, be, yet because of long-standing disputes, they don't regularly pray together, even though they share these churches. Yeah. Now that's changing thanks to an initiative called the Extraordinary Prayer for Reconciliation, Unity, and Peace. This week, I spoke with a lawyer in Zurich, Switzerland, who is the coordinator of that event, Veronique Nebel. It is the Holy Spirit, because uh, it is impossible to overcome these obstacles uh, by human means. The heads of churches have responded positively, and this is one of the miracles, because there is no tradition of praying together in Jerusalem. It is the first time, so to say, that the heads of churches officially uh, participate to a common prayer. That was Veronique Nebel, coordinator of the Extraordinary Prayer for Reconciliation, Unity and Peace. The event uh, has the support of the Catholic Church, 
The sixth edition of that event will be held in June. It's going to be presided by Patriarch Fouad Twel, mm. who is the leader of Latin Rite Catholics in the Holy Land. Mm-hmm. The most recent edition of the event is airing right now on Sultan Light, but you can catch the repeat. That's at midnight Eastern, 9 p.m. Pacific. It starts with a documentary about the host church, the Ethiopian Orthodox Cathedral of Jerusalem. Now, if your cable provider doesn't have salt and light, you can watch the event during our live streaming. And you can go to our blog for more information about the event. Saltandlighttv.org slash blog is where I wrote about it. That's great. Thank you. That's good news, actually. Uh, Krista Matrenko, our salt and light radio news producer. Let us know what you think about what you hear on this program. Send us an email, radio at saltandlighttv.org. You're listening to Salt and Light Radio on the Catholic Channel, Sirius 159 and XM 117. My name is Pedro. Our website is saltandlighttv.org slash radio. Coming up is Jenna Murphy with an update from Nova Scotia. But before that, our Saint of the Week with Lawrence. Hey, Pedro. So on Monday, February 21st, we have St. Peter Damien. Aha. So he was a Benedictine uh, monk in Italy in the 11th century um, who eventually became the abbot of his community. And uh, he's well known as a reformer and a writer. Um, He uh, introduced some of the most severe forms of mortification, namely self-flagellation in in his community. Self-flagellation, like he would whip himself with a cord or... Yeah, exactly. That's what it is. And so he introduced this to the whole congregation? To the community. So like they would all would do it? Yeah, he wanted, he wanted to reform well, his particular community and make it more, more uh, focused on penance. Okay, so, okay. <laughs> That's a part of our Catholic faith that That's I sometimes right. don't get. I, I understand the thinking behind it, the, the rationale, but okay. What else did he do? Okay, but he wasn't, okay, he wasn't all about that either. Okay. Um, it was said that when he was... When he first started out in the community, he was actually, he had so much penance, he wouldn't, he wouldn't actually sleep for very long because he was performing all these prayers and penances. So he had, he developed insomnia (laughs) and he's actually the patron saint of insomnia. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, So he had, so he developed insomnia. Then he eventually, because um, his abbot then told him that he had to stop. And so he slowly recovered from that. And then actually he decided to introduce the siesta when he became the abbot. The uh, siesta, because he wasn't sleeping at night, so he wanted to sleep in the afternoon. Well, because they have a hard, they had a hard life with, yeah, they do, with nightly prayers and yeah, everything, yeah, so okay. he said, okay, we'll have siesta during the day so that everyone can kind of recuperate a bit. Hey, if it was up to me, we would all be having siestas in the middle That's of the right. day. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, later in his life, uh, he was appointed bishop and cardinal. Okay. He was loved by, by all the popes. Uh, he was sent to Milan by Pope Nicholas II to reform clergy that were living openly with women and marrying them publicly. Actually. Nice. Yeah. Uh, so he was asked, like many other times, um, to do different tasks like this, different uh, reforming tasks, and to go here and there and and everything. Um, and this whole time, he kept asking all these popes uh, if he could, if he could leave, like if he could be. Um, being taken away from his um, duties as bishop and cardinal oh, okay. because it was taking him away from his community, right? right. He wasn't okay. really a monk anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now he was a bishop, cardinal, yeah, yeah, so he yeah. had these duties to the mm-hmm, church mm-hmm. Uh, in general. And so they they all refused until eventually uh, Pope Alexander II, who had a great affection for him, actually said, okay, you know, I'll, I'll let you um, go back to your hermitage. Mm-hmm. 
And so that's where he uh, finished his life. Um, so he was known as a reformer, as I said. Uh, he was also a famous preacher and a prolific writer. And mm. so that's why he's a doctor of the church. Okay, so he's the, he's a doctor of the church. Yes. And patron saint of insomniacs. Yeah. I'm going to remember that. Um, so St. Peter Damien, feast day, February 21st. Thank you very much, Lawrence. Thanks. Lawrence Flucco, our saint expert. Um, our Salt and Light TV programming with Lawrence is in about 10 minutes, so stick around. Hi, I'm Jillian Cantor, and you're listening to Salt and Light Radio on the Catholic Channel, Sirius 159 and XM 117. You can download our podcast at org/radio and also off iTunes. And now it's time for our diocesan update. Mary Rose is on maternity leave, so sitting in her chair is Jenna Murphy. Thank you, Pedro. It's a pleasure to be here. We're going to start off in Toronto this week. We have Eat, Pray, Share. It's back again. This Wednesday, Faith Connections will again host this tasty event. Participants will take turns shopping for the food, preparing the meal together, taking time to pray and reflect on scripture related to food. Sounds yummy. This series also includes a retreat, guest chef, and a field trip. That's Wednesday, this Wednesday, February 23rd at 6.30 p.m. For more information, visit their website at faithconnections.ca. We're moving on over to Vancouver across the country. We have at St. Patrick's Parish in Vancouver, they'll be offering a day-long seminar on the Christian meaning of suffering. And that's on Saturday. The seminar facilitators are Mark and Larie Pickup, and their 25 years of living with multiple sclerosis in their marriage has taught them to find joy in suffering. The seminar costs $20 a person, and that includes a light breakfast. So to register, you can visit the Archdiocese of Vancouver website at rcav.org. And now what's left but to visit the East Coast. I'm a little biased because I'm a Maritimer. Yeah. But I would like to introduce to you today Todd Doucette. Todd is the Director of Youth Ministry for the Diocese of Yarmouth in Nova Scotia. He works primarily with the youth of St. Ambrose Cathedral in the town of Yarmouth. In this fishing town with a population of just over 7,000, youth ministry has unique challenges and joys. Earlier this week, I spoke to Todd, and he told me that working in youth ministry is definitely a lifestyle, a vocation. Todd, welcome to Salt and Light Radio. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you. How would you say that youth ministry in the small town setting differs from city ministry, and do you have specific goals for these young people in Yarmouth? I do. Um, I think I think the fundamental is the same. Um, the fact that uh, fundamental in all youth ministry is, is the same, and the idea that we're to bring young people to the church and to Christ, um, how it differs is it's in, a, it's in its approach. And, and the idea that um, we have um, a lot of sort of little things on the go, um, ways to connect to young people, um, ways to sort of um, network um, would be a little different. Right, right on. What are you most excited about in the coming months? These, these, are, these kids are a tight-knit group. I'm, I'm probably I'm certain that they have lots of things in the near future that they're looking forward to. What are some of these busy community calendar items you have on the go? Um, everything we, we try to do everything from ski trips to um, family hockey tournaments to um, bigger things like World Youth Day. Uh, we have a retreat here coming up in a month and a bit. Um, and the youth are going to be leading some... Uh, way the cross uh, prayer time during Lent and different fundraisers that are going on, uh, things like that. Why do you think this type of these type of things are important for youth? The everyday type of stuff, not so much the big events, but just everyday relationship stuff. Uh, because they connect at a level of faith, um, and and they sort of build that Christian friendship and that Christian family, and in turn they go to school and and 
it, it happens in the school as well. Like they're they're friends here, but then they go to school and they continue to be friends. And and it, and it, it instead of Christianity being something held within, it's it's shared and spread. Thank you very much, Todd. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. That was Todd Doucette, the Director of Youth Ministries in the Diocese of Yarmouth, Nova Scotia. Well, great. Thank you very much. Jenna, Jenna Murphy, <laughs> Jenna Murphy sitting in for Mary Rose. Uh, uh, coming up is Mark Matthews with What's Good About Hollywood. You're listening to Salt and Light Radio on the Catholic Channel, Sirius 159 and XM 117. I'm Pedro Guevara Man. You can find Salt and Light on Facebook, and you can also follow us on Twitter. And now it's time for... Undercover Missionary, your source for everything Catholic in Hollywood, with Mark Matthews. Mark, welcome. Hi, Pedro. How are you doing? Good, thanks. So Mark's here today to talk about what's good in Hollywood. Yes. So I have a great story, or a great example of something good going on in Hollywood okay. this time. Yeah, tell us. It is a ministry called Act One. Okay. And Act One, in my mind, is a shining example of what a Christian uh, ministry should be in Hollywood. Um, they're very, they, they set the tone around here for how Christians can be of influence in the entertainment industry. Okay, so what are they and, do? Um, the, they have two ways that they go about this. So, and I think actually these are both good takeaway lessons for the listeners here. First, um, they provide a place for Christians to come together and to help build up Christians at a personal level. So, and this is just the idea that um, the base of evangelism is interpersonal relationships. And as you can imagine, living in Hollywood has all sorts of, you know, special um, considerations, you know, temptations to ego is probably one of them. Yeah. Um, and they're there to help, uh, you know, just help in basic spiritual formation of Christians, just so that, you know, Christians are good, normal people, the kind of people that other people would want to be. Okay, so it's also a place where they can get to know each other, network, that kind of thing with other Christians. Exactly, In, yeah. the, in yeah. the industry. Support each other. There's not a high density of Christians here. So okay. be that kind of central clearinghouse for Christian fellowship. Um, and secondly, is they teach people to be masters of their craft. Masters of their craft. What, what does that mean? So... Um, basically, uh, so the woman who founded this has a, a kind of a good way of saying this. Um, and she said that uh, it's not that Christian, sorry, and the woman's name is Barbara Nicolosi, by the way. Right. Um, it's not, yes, it's not that Christians are getting martyred in Hollywood, it's that they're committing suicide. Okay. And okay. basically, a lot of times Christians come into Hollywood with sort of no understanding of what people are even looking for. Um, even things as simple as how to format a script properly. So Christians go to Hollywood, they're, they're in the zeal for evangelizing, they want to be, you know, have a strong Christian message in a script, but they don't even know how to write a script. Exactly. So, and unfortunately what happens sometimes with Christians is they come in, um, and they're, it's kind of this attitude of, you know, you don't know anything, you know, we're really going to set things straight. And the correct attitude is, you know, and this is what Act One teaches, is to say, look, people in Hollywood are the best at what they do. We need to learn from them. Um, you know, you need to know how the industry operates. So they'll have all sorts of industry experts from all across the board, people uh -huh. who've worked on very big productions, producers, writers, directors, and teach people um, how to basically, you know, put together a proper script and be a good writer. Okay, so it's specifically a script writing... Uh... Uh, specifically script writing, but they've also expanded to producing and... Uh, Interesting. Sort of, yeah, executive producing as well. Okay. It's an executive program that they also have. Okay. 
and it, it, it's a fantastic thing for directors and writers as well, too. Um, the other thing that I really like about Act One is that they teach Christians to not hammer sermons into scripts. Uh. Um, and this is something we've probably seen in some kind of bad Christian movies sometimes, but it smacks of dishonesty. Uh, that people can smell that a mile away. They, they know if you have an agenda. Yeah, so it's so they, they, preachy scripts, yeah. Exactly, preachy scripts. So they say, look, like, just, you know, be a strong Christian, and by virtue of you, the fact of you being a strong Christian, you're going to write a good script, um, you know, and learn everything that you need to know just about good writing in general. So what makes a good movie, basically, is you have to have a strong story, good character development, all that stuff is about plot, it's not about message, necessarily. Exactly, yes. And that work on all that, and by virtue of the fact of you being a Christian, you will make a good movie. So, I encourage you, I, this is my plug for my own self-interest here, I want more Christians here. Yeah. Um, check them out, they have a website, actoneprogram.com, they have okay. a fantastic summer program, script writing and executive producing. Okay, so have they produced any good scripts? Oh yeah, 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 they've got lots of great uh, success stories. Um, they've got two writers on CBS's new Hawaii Five-0. Um, there is also an NBC Writers on the Verge Fellowship. It's basically the only way to get into sitcom writing at NBC. I think two out of eight of their applicants this last year Excellent. were Act One alumni. So all across the board, they've got some very good success stories. Excellent. So that's good news. Something good happening very in Hollywood. Very good news. So again, so actoneprogram.com, if anybody yes. wants to find out uh, or take their workshops or find out uh, uh, how to get involved, yeah. I guess. Yeah, that's it. And they, they have a summer program that lasts for, I think, about four months. And then if you want to keep going on, they have like Act 2, which is, you know, mentorship throughout the year. Oh, excellent. Well, there you have it. Uh, something, again, good happening in Hollywood with Mark Matthews. Thank you, Mark. Thank you, Pedro. Our undercover Hollywood missionary. He joined us on the phone from his home in L.A. Hey, what's up? This is Machete Moses, and you're listening to Salt and Light Radio on the Catholic Channel, Series 159 and XM 117. I'm Pedro Guevara Man. You can read our amazing blog at saltandlighttv.org slash blog. And now back with us is Lawrence with our programming highlights. All right, Pedro. So we have a new witness tomorrow, Sunday, February 20th, and also Thursday, February 24th at 8 p.m. Eastern, 9 Pacific. Uh, in this episode, Father Tom, he's talk, he talks to a world-renowned uh, Newman scholar, okay. Father Ian Kerr. Okay, so that's a new witness with Father Ian Kerr on Sunday, February 20th, that's tomorrow, and with a repeat on Thursday, February 24th at 8 p.m., uh, 9 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern, 9 Pacific. And we have uh, an openings tomorrow, Sunday, February 20th. Um, it's a two-hour concert with John Michael Talbot at 8.30 p.m. Eastern, 9.30 Pacific. Excellent concert, two yeah. <laughs> hours with John Michael Talbot, former Salt and Light Radio guest and a good friend. Um, so that's going to be tomorrow, Sunday, February 20th. Um, after Witness, I guess. That's right. Um, uh, openings concert with John Michael Talbot at 8.30 p.m. Eastern, 9.30 Pacific. And Journey of Light on Wednesday, February 23rd at 8 p.m. Eastern, 9 Pacific. So Journey of Light is our Southern Light documentary that we did a few years ago on mm -hmm. the Holy Land. Yeah, it's a great little documentary. It's a great, it's like a... It's like a like a journal entry. Yeah, it like is. It's it's just an inter really interesting uh, uh, approach at pilgrimage in the Holy yeah. Land. So highly recommend it. Uh, Journey of Light. So that's going to air Wednesday, February twenty third at eight p.m. Eastern, nine Pacific. And we have a new episode on of uh, the the Nazareth Jesus New on Friday, February twenty fifth, eight p.m. Eastern, nine Pacific. 
And this episode is on the olive tree. Interesting. The olive tree. Yeah. Have you ever seen an olive tree? Uh, I've seen pictures. Yeah, they're they're old. Yeah, they, they are old. old. There are some. They say in Mount of Olives, there are some trees that have been there for two thousand years. Yeah, that's amazing. That's crazy. Um, so that's uh, uh, this new series that we have, the Nazareth Jesus new new episode is going to air on Friday, February twenty fifth at eight p.m. Eastern, nine Pacific. And finally, nothing more beautiful. A new episode on Saturday, February twenty sixth at eight p.m. Eastern, nine Pacific. And as you know, Nothing More Beautiful is um, a series of catechesis and witness talks. Yes, coming to us from the beautiful Archdiocese of Edmonton. Um, So that's a whole new episode of Nothing More Beautiful on Saturday, February 26th at 8 p.m. Eastern, 9 Pacific. Thank you, Lawrence. We also want to talk about another event. It's not going to be on television, but it's going to be a live webcast that we're doing next Wednesday, February 23rd at 7.30 p.m. Eastern. There's a verse uh, in Exodus, chapter 15, verse 2, that says, this is my God. So do you ever wonder what would happen if a priest, a rabbi, and an imam got together to talk about that one verse? So this uh, live webcast is going to be a panel discussion with Father Thomas Rosica, our uh, CEO at Salt and Light uh, uh, Catholic Media Foundation, Imam Hamid Slimi, and Rabbi Aaron Flansreich, as they explore this powerful verse from the book of Exodus. So again, that's going to be next February 23rd. At 7.30 p.m. Eastern, you can watch that webcast live and you'll be able to send in questions at our website, saltandlighttv.org. Remember, you can watch all our programs streaming live on that same website, saltandlighttv.org. And coming up in our second half hour, a conversation with Luke Matheny, director of the short film God of Love, and a featured chat with Danielle Rose. So don't go anywhere. God of Love is one of the films nominated for this year's Academy Award for Best Live Action Short. As well as many, many other awards, writer and director Luke Matheny won the Student Academy Award and the Patrick Payton Award for Excellence at this year's Angela Student Film Festival. And Father Patrick Payton, of course, is the founder of Family Theatre Productions in Hollywood. Now, joining us now to tell us about his film is Luke Matheny. Luke, welcome to Salt and Light Radio. Thanks for having me. So, uh, tell us briefly about the film. Uh, yeah, this is a short film. It's uh, kind of a comedy with the elements of romance and fantasy. It's about a lounge singing darts champion okay. uh, who uh, basically receives a mysterious box of love-inducing darts uh, that he thinks is uh, to help him win the love of a woman, uh, but he comes to learn that it's actually... Uh, something he's supposed to use to help other people. Okay, so uh, does he believe that the darts were given to him by God? Because he prays for help, doesn't he? Yeah, it's kind of a funny opening scene where uh, you just see this guy uh, kind of praying backstage at one of his concerts uh, for uh, God's help in uh, winning the affections of this woman, Kelly, who's the drummer in his band. And the other complication is that uh, Kelly just recently has fallen in love with our our hero's uh, best friend, uh, Fozzie, who is the, the guitar guitarist player. of the band. So yeah. it's kind of a 
tough, uh, tough love triangle right at the beginning there that ne- needs to be resolved. So, so, so t- um, I'm just curious. So, how do you come up with? I mean, other than just having like an inspiration moment, did you, in terms of your craft, writing this story? Where did this all come from? How did you g- get to the to 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 the end story? I guess uh, that's a great question. Um, I mean, I guess the the genesis moment was just thinking about the notion of Cupid, uh, right. just sort of as a cultural figure. It always seemed there's something kind of funny to me about when you just think of the real version of Cu- of, of like an arrow actually going into a person's body, and that like <laughs> makes them. Yeah, if, if you actually picture if, that, it's if, kind of a disgusting, crazy, <laughs> crazy thing. If you don't kill them, yeah. <laughs> right, and possibly <laughs> fatal. Um, <laughs> so uh, I thought maybe that there, this idea of like a kind of a weapon that like causes love would be a, a sort of fun thing to toy with. And then I came up with this lounge singing darts champion thing uh, to explore. Um, and then uh, basically I wrapped that around this kind of love triangle that I just uh, I just explained to you. And... Um, yeah, it's sort of a slow process of, you know, weeding out the uh, yeah, yeah, things yeah. that don't belong in the movie and including the things that do belong in the movie. Now, you, you chose to, to film it in a very particular style. It's black and white. It's got this amazing funky jazz soundtrack. I mean, the fact that he's a lounge singer. So is that, was that, uh, did that where did that come from? I, it helps tell the story, but was there more to that than just telling well, the story? Well, that was just pure excitement to, like, explore that look. My cinematographer, uh, Bobby Webster, and I were very excited to um, uh, kind of co-opt sort of uh, the jazz photography look of, like, the yeah. late 50s, early 60s, black and white, uh, went along with that, and we knew we'd have a bunch of cool New York uh, exteriors that would look great in black and white. And then along with that was the music itself, which um, it, it definitely had a, a, a jazzy uh, tint to it. And my composer, Sasha Gordon, <coughs> uh, came up with this great kind of lush, uh, romantic, jazz-influenced score that um, I, I think just fits, fits well with the look of the film and kind of creates, it combines to create this overall sort of nostalgic, romantic quality, which I think actually plays well, because the movie actually is pretty, it's, it's a comedy, So, but yes. I think all these kind of, Romantic elements play well, nicely against kind of the deadpan comedy it, of the it, thing. It is. It's very cool. Um, just a note, Luke, for anyone that might be joining mm-hmm. the program at this time, you're listening to Salt and Light Radio. I'm Pedro. We're speaking with Luke Matheny. He's the uh, writer, director, and star of uh, an Academy Award-nominated short film, God of Love. Um, you mentioned earlier that the film has a message or, or that there's a lesson. At the end of the, at the movie, the, the lead character learns a lesson. Did you... Did you kind of set out also to thinking about, oh, this is an interesting lesson, that, or should the film have a message, or did you just set out to write a funny, good story? Um, I guess the message is something you maybe find while you're writing it. Um, I knew that there was... <coughs> I knew that the story was about a guy who was in love with the girl who was in love with his best friend. Right. And someone is going to have to learn something by the time that story is over. Um, so I, I wanted to, um, I guess I just wanted to think of the way that the story could resolve that was sort of the most humane for, for everyone. For every, well, well, can I ask you this? Because as a filmmaker, is, is it important that a film, I mean, it's important that a film is a good film, that it's a good story, um, but is it important that a film has a message? Had it not had a message, do you think that it would be so appealing to audiences? Um, I mean, every, every film is different. I, I, I feel that it, it certainly helped my film. Um, 
And, you know, there are other films that the message is a little cryptic or, or unclear or maybe non-existent, and the movie can be amazing right. as well. But I, I feel like um, uh, the way the film is structured, it all kind of, it sort of pays off in the last minute there, everything I sort of was building up to. Yeah. Um, so that, um, yeah, I, I, I think that's always kind of satisfying for an audience when they, they think they're watching something kind of amusing, and then at the end they realize... It's not just... Or the, 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 there was another thing at work here. Yeah. Um, which, is, which is great when you, when you can pull it off um, sometimes. Yeah, okay. It's hard uh, to do, but yeah. Um, um, it, it's, it's a great place to start, you know, boy likes girl who likes boy's best friend kind of thing. Um, unrequited love. Why, why did you want to celebrate that? Where did, is that... Uh... Well, I guess it's, it's sort of two notions. I mean, I've had... Um, I've certainly had my share of uh, kind of unrequited love situations in, in my, my past, right. as it has basically everyone on the planet. Yes, <laughs> um, yeah. So I think that's something that everyone can identify with. Yeah. But I, I also sort of wanted to, um, I don't know, critique the, that notion a little bit. Or I think there's always a sense that, uh, you know, you watch a movie where, like, there's a, a guy who's pining hopelessly for a woman, and we, we like, automatically side with the guy and... You, you stop thinking about what's good for the for the love interest, oh, yeah, or, you know. Yeah. So I I also wanted to um, make it about a a guy who was maybe more into the idea, more more in love with love <laughs> than with, with with a woman somehow. Right. 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 Um, and uh, you know I think uh, I think it's good when those delusions are um, are punctured because you can there's room for room for learning at the yeah, end. Yeah, for sure. Now this is your third film, right? Uh, yeah, I made a couple short films. This was my thesis film at a NYU okay. uh, in the graduate film program. I'd made a, a, a film before film school, but um, this was uh, this has been my most successful one. Great. Sure. So, and now you're out. Well, it's a great way. I was going to say, now you're out in the real world is a great way for you to come into the real world. Um, any anything else in the work for you right now? Uh, yeah, I mean, I have a couple of scripts. Uh, Two that I, I've worked on with a, a writing partner, Rob Meyer, uh, who is a classmate of mine at NYU. Uh-huh. Uh, so those are two. One's like a coming-of-age comedy set in the world of competitive bird-watching, and the other one is um, kind of a mainstream romantic comedy about a genie. And uh, so th- those are two projects. And then I'm working on my own project that I hope to act and direct in, uh, for my first kind of solo feature, and okay. that's called Ron Quixote. Oh, um, nice. So... Uh, the, the title says it all, I guess. Yeah. Okay. So you're you're seeing yourself uh, at not specifically being a writer, but you can also you hope to direct and, and also perform. Uh, sure. I mean, it's kind of one one project at a time in this business. But as yeah. far as my next, you know, the next stretch here, I would love to um, get a feature made that kind of had my whole uh, skill set on uh, on display, yeah. and then uh, start building the career more more from there. Excellent. Well, thank you very much, Luke. It's been great chatting with you. Um, good luck on February 27th. Thank you. We'll be watching. Um, Luke Matheny is director, writer, and star of the Academy Award-nominated short live-action film God of Love. He joined us on the phone from New York City. You can learn more about the film at Luke's website, lukemathenyfilms.com. That's Matheny is M-A-T-H-E-N-Y, Luke Matheny Films, but I will put that link on our website so that you can easily find it. Here now is Danielle Rose with Psalm 139, wonderfully made from her album, Pursue Me. Lord, you search me and you know me when I sit and when I stand. 
That was Danielle Rose with her setting of Psalm 139, wonderfully made from her album, Pursue Me. Now, I hate to say that I met someone else as we were preparing for World Youth Day 2002, but that's the case with our featured artist this week. Danielle Rose, 
joined us for World Youth Day 2002. She was in the Youth Festival, and she also was one of the four singers who led the crowd of over 300,000 people for the Litany of the Saints as Pope John Paul II was arriving for the Saturday Night Vigil. And we recently connected with her at Notre Dame, which was providential. Um, but there's so much to say about Danielle that maybe it's just best if we just let her say it. So, Danielle, welcome to Salt and Light Radio. Thank you so much. It's so good to hear you. Wow. <laughs> Praise God. It's wonderful to be here today to speak with the, about the Lord with you. Great. So let's, let's go way, way, way back. You were 17 years old and you went off to India. <laughs> what was that yeah. all about? Well, I was blessed to have the opportunity to go and serve uh, the poorest of the poor, and I um, I spent time with Mother Teresa's sisters in Delhi, and that whole experience um, led to God's God God showed me that He wanted me to serve the church as a music missionary to serve the poorest of the poor spiritually through music. So okay. that was uh, the turning point in my life of knowing that I wanted to give that gift of music over to the Lord that okay. he had given to me in the first place. Okay, but you were 17. Most 17-year-olds don't even know what they're going to do in university. But you already... <laughs> uh, where did that call come even before you went to India? Um, the gift of, God had given me that gift of music naturally and had used it through my life. But yeah. Um, my parents are both just beautiful people and uh, very generous in their gifts and in, in serving those in need. And so I had always dreamed about going to India, and they I asked them if they'd allow me to go and volunteer there. So they, they did. They were very brave to let me go by myself as a 17-year-old to the other side of the world. Yeah, <laughs> wow. So that experience changed your life. Um, and then after, the, after that, you literally went off to be a missionary using your music um, did you did you always have such clarity about what you were called to do? Did you ever doubt? Um, with the music dimension, no. I I knew that God had given that gift, and I I had a burning desire to be able to use it in whatever way that He would allow me to to be able to bring people to know His love through that you know through just sharing my heart that way. And um, and He began to open the doors to be able to do that, and that was God's hand. I'm so grateful for that. So you were, uh, were you at that age already writing your own music? I was, uh-huh, and I had been previously, but it hadn't been about the Lord. But then at that point, I began to write just only music for the Lord. Okay, so you were doing other kinds of music before. Your first, uh-huh. your first album, Defining Beauty, was that, ha- yes. was that, did that happen around that same time or after you went to university? After that was while I was still in university. It was when I was a junior at Notre Dame. Okay, is when I recorded my first album. Okay, and um, so that was almost that was ten years ago. Okay, and then uh, when you recorded your second, sorry, the second album is the Mysteries, right? I just have yeah, to get the second straight album here. is Mysteries. So that's the and that was in response. To, that was in response to when Holy Father John Paul II gave the letter on the rosary and the new luminous mysteries. And yes. at the end of the letter, he implored the young people to take up the rosary once again. And I wanted it to be able to help share that message and to teach young people about how the prayer comes alive through the mysteries. So I wrote those, those songs as um, a means of trying to evangelize to bring the rosary um, alive in people's hearts. And you actually had a chance to present that CD to Pope John Paul II, right? I did, on January 14th of 2004. How was that? What was that like? It was absolutely overwhelming. I felt that he, when he glanced over, I felt that he could see into my soul. Yeah. And it was very startling and overwhelming. And to receive his blessing, and he was very frail and very sick at the time, 
And so it took all his effort to lift up his armony and to give his blessing upon my head. He patted my cheek, and, yes. you know, it, it was... Um, it was absolutely overwhelming I to be in imagine. the presence of a saint. Yeah, I know. Um, just a note for anyone that might be tuning in at this time, we're speaking with our featured artist of the week, Danielle Rose. This is Salt and Light Radio. I'm Pedro. And uh, Danielle is our featured, as I said, our featured artist of the week. Now, you, uh, even after all this was happening, um, were discerning religious life. Yes. There came a point in which God made in, an experience in prayer and then discernment very, very clear that he was inviting me to enter the convent and, and actually to, to surrender the whole music ministry um, entirely. And I, I didn't think that I would be ever doing that again, actually. So you, and, um, you actually thought that God was calling you to stop singing. You were not going to sing it ever, ever again. Yes, I, I was invited to enter. A, well, I knew he made it clear I was entering a community where I wasn't going to be ever recording again or... Okay. you know, performing concerts or anything again. And I, and it was um, a very difficult surrender because it didn't make sense, but I knew that he was asking. It felt like Abraham and Isaac, you know? Yeah. And um, so after two and a half years of discernment with the community, then I, it, you know, it's a seven-year process till final vows. Yeah. So it's, you know, I discerned with the community that the Lord was calling me to, uh, to leave and to re-enter the world. And the sisters asked me to do a farewell concert. Oh, and yeah. um, and I didn't think I'd ever do a concert again. So um, I did a farewell concert, and the day of the concert, you know, in the story, story of Abraham and Isaac, how right when the, uh, Abraham was about to slaughter his son, the Lord stopped him and sent a ram out of the bushes to yeah. offer instead, and yeah. when he was obedient. Yes. And um, the day of the concert that I would do the farewell concert, I was praying in the rosary out in, a can- in the desert in a canyon, and. I was pondering everything and wondering when I was leaving if God was calling me to start using that gift again or not, you know, whatever His will was. And and the Lord literally sent me a ram in the canyon. It locked up with big horns right across from me. And, really? And uh, that was the night that I, I played music for like that again for the first time in about three years. A real ram. And, uh, a re- like a real, a real ram. A real ram. A real living ram. Are and you... the Lord just, you know, He showed me that. He wow. was giving it back, and I had surrendered in obedience as he had asked me to. So, so now I've just begun to, to serve again in song after about five years of not doing that because of the whole surrender and, and discernment journey. Now, that, that's an amazing story, and, and, and I have so many questions about discernment, discernment, but maybe we can bring you back and talk about that, because I want to ask you about music. You have this, these yes. four albums that we've, we've mentioned, Defining Beauty, Mysteries, I Thirst, and Pursue Me. Um, you, you see that you're going to continue then recording and performing? Now? I, uh, yes. Yes, it's, it's such a joy now to, to be discovering the plan God has for my life to be just who He's created me to be. <laughs> and um, to sing for His glory for souls, and I very much plan uh, to continue to do that, and I'm, in the, I'm hoping to do a pro-life album next, is what I feel He's asking me to do next. Right, so that's in the works maybe already? Yeah, I've been starting to write. Okay, so you're writing new songs. So you have to let us know when that when that is ready or when you have a few songs ready so we can uh, play them here. Wonderful. That would be great, Danielle. That's all the time we have. But it's been really good reconnecting with you and hearing about you and uh, uh, learning about your discernment and, and, and how you respond to God's call in your life. That's quite an amazing story. I love the Ram story. So thank you for that. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thank you very much. So, Danielle Rose was our, is our featured artist of the week. She joined us on the phone. She's in California while she's doing a concert tour. 
Um, you can find out all about Danielle and all about uh, her music and where she's going to be doing concerts at her website. It's daniellerose.com. Um, and we'll put that link on our site as well, daniellerose.com. Here now is Danielle with uh, another one of her songs, the title track of her album, I Thirst. <laughs> listening to Danielle Rose's I Thirst from her album of that same title. And that will take us to the end of our program this week. If you missed any portion of this program, remember that you can stream or podcast all Salt and Light Radio programs at saltandlighttv.org slash radio. And you can also check for the links to our artists or guests at that same website. To learn more about what we do here at Salt and Light, go to saltandlighttv.org and to follow us closer, look for us on Facebook, and Twitter. Thank you for considering us when you're making your charitable contributions. We cannot do this work without your support and your prayers. So thank you and God bless you. I'm Pedro Guevara Man, and this has been Salt and Light Radio.